Hello, I'm Pastor John Nutley of RadiantWord.com and Radiant Life Church. Thank you for picking up our podcast today. On today's podcast, we're going to continue in the series, Operation Enduring Victory. And on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about winning each battle without losing the war. We're all in a spiritual warfare, and we're fighting that battle every day. And sometimes we have kind of a scoreboard that tells us how we're doing. Unfortunately, sometimes that scoreboard is not really showing whether we're winning or losing. Some people get dejected over a loss that's not really a loss. And some people celebrate a win that really was not a win. So today we're going to define winning and also uh, talk about what a spiritual win really looks like. And uh, also we're going to tell you a very humorous story about a guy named Chris Thompson that I think uh, you'll really enjoy. Following our podcast today, we're going to tell you how you can get the entire series, Operation Enduring Victory, and also a little bit more about Radiant Life Church and RadiantWord.com. So right now we take you into a live service, October the 2nd at Radiant Life Church, Pastor John Utley. And again, thank you for listening. with you this morning. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number 5. And we will get into God's Word today. Joshua chapter number 5. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 13 as we get into God's Word today. God bless you. So good to see you in God's house. Hey, stand with me if you would as we read God's Word together. I know you just sat down, but I plan on preaching a long time and I want you to stretch your legs. I am, I am kidding. I'm not preaching that long. Some of y'all partied way too late last night, so. Okay, we're going to begin reading in Joshua 5 verse 13, just a few verses there. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. This morning, continuing in our series that we started several weeks back, Operation Enduring Victory, We're going to be talking about winning each battle without losing the war. So this morning we're going to be talking about winning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can gather together. God, we recognize today, God, that you're sovereign over all of creation. And we recognize today, Father, that you've called us to be winners. God, you've called us and you've equipped us and you've helped us to win the battles that we are facing. And and, and today we're just asking Father, that you would move and that you would minister and that you would have your way today. And we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. And actually, this message is going to be a two-part. 
message. You know, when I started this, this was only going to last three weeks. But it's been like five weeks now. But next week will be the end of this series. I believe God's calling us to win. I believe God's calling us not just to make it through, you know, barely making it through. I remember one time I was in a service and, 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 uh, we had a dear, you know, we, it was one of those times we had a, like a, a testimony service. You ever been in a testimony service before? You know, people stand up and they say, and, and I remember this one sister standing up and saying, y'all pray for me that I'll endure till the end. Y'all have heard that before probably, haven't you? And I thought that poor sister, I hope she can make it. <laughs> I hope, I don't, I don't know if she's crawling her way to the finish line or if, if if she's just under this huge load that's just bearing her down. But I believe God's called us to win, not just to endure to the end, which is important, but to win in the end, to win the final battle, to win the final war that we are facing. And, and sometimes I think that we have to be careful because in spiritual battles, we tend to, we tend to play the Notre Dame game. We keep score in the spiritual battle, and we say that winning. See, y'all thought I was going a certain way with this, but hang with me for just a moment. We keep score, but what we're keeping score with in the spiritual realm may not be a true indicator of whether or not we're winning the battle or not. See, you may be looking at the scoreboard, and God's saying you should not be paying attention to the scoreboard. You should be paying attention to other things. Now, there are people today that are paying attention to a lot of things, including the scoreboard with Notre Dame. But in your spiritual walk, you cannot just look at the scoreboard because there's more to the battle that you're facing. And be careful that you don't look at a loss as a total loss because God may have something bigger for you to see in what you're going through. Now, the first thing that Joshua saw as he was coming to this visible battle Because remember the story, Joshua and the children of Israel now had crossed the Jordan River and they were preparing to go into Jericho and to take the town of Jericho. Jericho was a walled city. And so Joshua was on his way, and it seems as if there's something going on in his spirit. Uh, You know, know, in in verse number nine, the, the word says that the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt so that that place has been called Gilgal to this day. And while the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover. They were preparing to go in and to conquer their first city. And here was Joshua as he's prepared to go in to conquer this city, needing more than he had. He was about to face a battle that was bigger than he was going to uh, you know, face. He needed help. And, and so he's getting ready to go in. He's thinking about this physical battle that he's going to involve himself in. The walls towered six to eight story, stories high. They were several yards thick, wide enough for two chariots to race around the top of them. The people that were inside the wall were well-armed and they were fiercely warlike people. When Joshua saw that and saw the giants in the land, no doubt that caused him to really take stock of what he was about to face. There was a visible battle that he was about to face. I've noticed this, and I noticed this a few months ago. I noticed that there there are a lot of people at Radiant Life that are going through spiritual battles. 
And some of those battles, you can see the physical part of it. You can see the visible evidence of the giants in our land. We can see the visible evidence of the walled city. We can see the visible evidence of those things that are keeping us from that full abundant life that we talked about a moment ago. It may be sickness. It may be attitudes of the heart. It may be uh, uh, family members that are, that are going through struggles. It may be other issues, job issues, whatever the situation is, economic issues issues, whatever that is, that is the visible part of what you're dealing with. And so we've talked about how we cannot always go by that, that the physical representation of that battle may not be all that that battle is about. We don't wrestle, we don't war against flesh and blood, but we war against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness, against the rulers of darkness of this world. So we know today that there is a visible part of this. But I believe this, I believe that you will have to win the battle before you fight the war. And that's what Joshua was doing in this place. He was going to have to win some battles before he fought the war. Now, we talked about that to a degree a few weeks ago when we talked about winning the war within. A lot of the battle that we face is not on the outside of us, it's on the inside, and most of it is between our ears. It's the way we think, it's the way we perceive, and if we're not careful, we will try to fight a physical battle or a spiritual battle using fleshly means, and that's never successful. There's an invisible battle, an invisible war that Joshua is going to have to face. There was visible giants But that was not Joshua's problem. His problem was not what he was seeing. It was an invisible war that he had to fight first with his heart. And if he was going to win that, then he could get a handle on everything else he could see. And for you and I to win, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. I'll tell you what, folks. the, the, The enemy that we're fighting out there, the enemy that we fight against, We are no match for him. If we're fighting by ourselves, but I can tell you this, that if if the Lord is on your side, he is no match for you. Already, if God's on your side, already you've won the battle. Write it down, it's done. The key for us is to learn how to win, is to learn how to involve God in the process so that we win the battle every single time. We want to be winners, and we want to understand what winning truly means. First, for Joshua, he had to overcome the past failures that he had experienced. Joshua brought to that moment all of his past experiences, and he must have remembered all the failures. In fact, turn with me to to Numbers chapter 14. I want you to see this picture because this this is that moment. This is that time when victory was the children of Israel's. They, were, they, they had victory ready to go. They had victory. And you remember the story. Moses sends out 12 spies. They spy out the land and they go in and they see a land flowing with milk and honey. They, they see all that God promised the promised land would be. They see it all. And they come back, and 10 of those spies couldn't even see that. They saw all the giants and all the walled cities. But Joshua and Caleb said, you know what? We've seen all the things that these other guys have seen, but we believe this. God has promised us the land, and we're going in. We believe we can overtake all of those that come against us, for the Lord is on our side. 
And somewhere along the way, the people got into this losing mentality, thinking we cannot do it. Well, they couldn't do it on their own. But if they allowed God to work through them, they would have defeated and overcome any challenge. And it was frustrating. It was frustrating for Joshua and Caleb because they knew what God could do. And there's nothing more frustrating when you know God can do it, but there are people around you that are trying to pull you down. That's one of those battles we're talking about. And Joshua was there. Notice what it says in Numbers 14, verse 6. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Japheneh, tore their clothing. They were so frustrated. They said to all the people of Israel, this land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all of the Israelites at the tabernacle. God was, he was very angry. Because these two guys stood and they said, we know that if we go into this battle, God's going before us and we will win. Folks, I'll tell you this, whatever battle you're facing, whatever difficulty you're going through, there is an invisible war. And if you have God on your side, who can be against you? You will win. Don't listen to the enemy. Don't listen to those that want to pull you down. But no, you will win if you have the Lord on your side guaranteed there will always be the naysayers there will always be those around you that will try to pull your faith down and you've got to understand that if you're not careful you will get sucked into that and you will have to uh, participate in the displeasure of the lord because of that you've got to rise above it and win the battle that you have in front of you see moses had to wait 40 years to defeat his giant because of his own failure joshua also had to wait 40 years to defeat his giant because of the failure of others. Joshua was pulled into that because of the failure of others. In both cases, past failures must have haunted both of them as they faced the giants that they were going to face. Moses, by this time, was dead. And he never saw the promised land. He never went in and occupied the promised land simply because of a lack of faith. Our failures in the past have given us, uh, sometimes God gave them to us. Sometimes, if we're not careful, they will cripple us in the present. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul walks through a scenario and he deals with a formula, actually a great formula for dealing with past failures. And, you know, we've all failed at some point or other in our life. Everyone has failed in some area. Every one of us. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, notice what the Apostle Paul, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Okay, notice what happens here. Number one, he realizes that no one escapes failures of some kind. He says here, not that I have attained or that I'm already perfected. He's not giving, he's not saying, okay, 
I'm a failure. He's just saying, look, I've not arrived. It's almost like Paul was saying, you know, thank God I'm not what I was. And I'm not what I'm going to be either. I'm in between the two. But God is working in me, and, 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 and I'm going to keep striving towards that. So number one, realize that no one escapes failures of some kind. Number two, leave the past where it is in the past. He says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. If you failed in the past, leave them behind you. Leave them in the past. And then verse 13, he says, focus. He said, I'm reaching for, uh, forward to those things which are ahead. Focus on the thing that you can do something about. I can't go back and change anything about my past. The good things or the bad things. And it's real easy to rewind the tape and say, I, you know, that quarterback should have passed there instead of ran the ball. It's easy to say that after the play is commenced. But when you're in the midst of that play and you're in the midst of running that play and you're out there on the field, sometimes it's hard to see 2020. You just have to deal with what you have to deal with at that moment. And I'll tell you what, folks, the enemy gets us because we have a pretty good memory about things of failures and he tries to bring those things up at us all the time. We have to be very careful that we don't fall for that, for that tactic. Now, the second thing is Joshua had to overcome his own notions of how the battle should be fought. I don't know how he thought he was going to win the battle. But I do know this, that he was not going to be able to fight the enemy with his own human ability. Now, you remember the story. When Joshua and the children of Israel defeated the people of Jericho, they didn't defeat them with, like, weapons of swords and spears and bazookas and hand grenades they walked around the walls of jericho praising god being obedient to do what god told them to do you see the bible tells us in proverbs 14 says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death we have to be careful that we don't bring our preconceived ideas into a situation and say, this is how it has to happen in order for me to have victory. Now, the third thing, along with his past failures and his preconceived notions, Joshua had to put, his, put aside his own attitudes, his attitude. He could have had a bad attitude over his 40 years that he wandered in the wilderness. I mean, he, could, he had every right to say, it is not right that I was kept out. I believe God. I stood in faith. It was those other turkeys out there that couldn't stand in faith. Why couldn't I go in? Why couldn't me and my family go in? Why, why did we have to wander through the wilderness? And if we're not careful, we will get pulled into that same kind of thinking, friends. Now, Joshua didn't get pulled into that thinking, but he could have. He could have said, well, why did I have to go through it? And you may have asked the question before about things that you've gone through. Why did I have to go through it? It wasn't my fault. I didn't cause this. Why am I participating in this problem? It wasn't me that did this. It was, you know, I was, I was a, a, you know, a casual or, a, you know, a, 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 a bystander that, you know, it wasn't my fault. I didn't get involved in it. But because of some situation, family relations or something, you were pulled into something and you can have a bad attitude or a good attitude. The choice is always going to be yours. Now, I'm not saying deny the problems that you face, but submitting our attitude to God and trusting Him with the things that we face. If you still have Philippians open, 
Philippians 4 talks about attitudes. In fact, uh, Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5, we'll read just a few verses there. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that, you're, uh, that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. In order to have a good attitude, we have to first praise God. And we have to learn to praise God even in circumstances that are not easy to praise the Lord in. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your situation or your circumstance. He says, place your rejoicing in Him. So there may be times that you're going through difficulty and you say, I've got these problems going on in my life. Then our rejoicing is not in the problems, but it's in the Lord. He doesn't tell us to enjoy our problems. He tells us to rejoice in the Lord in the midst of our problems. And then then notice what he says in verse 6. He goes on in verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So if worry has been a concern, we're told to pray and tell God about everything in our life. If your attitude needs an altitude adjustment, (laughs) if your attitude is starting to sink very low, well, then you need to raise that attitude. And you do that by telling God what your problems are. Hey, you know what? God knows your problems, but you need to tell him what your problems are. I've had people say, well, I've already told God my problems, and I'm, I'm getting tired of telling him. Well, I can tell you this. God's not getting tired of listening. And until he answers your need, keep telling him your problems. Don't, don't stop. Don't stop talking to God. You say, well, that's a lack of faith. It's not a lack of faith if you're talking to God. If you're putting your hope and your trust in him, that's not a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith is when we say, I'm not going to do that anymore because God's not answering my prayer. That's a lack of faith. So keep coming back. Keep knocking. Keep, keep telling God your, your need. Third, we're reminded to let God's peace rule in our hearts and minds. Look at Philippians 4, 7. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, I believe that we are to practice a constant thinking on God, thinking about God and meditating on His Word. And folks, I'll tell you, that is the antidote to any poison the enemy can bring your way. If he's bombarding your mind, keep your mind stayed on God. I think the word even tells us that he will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. And I'll tell you, a winning attitude only comes as we do that. The momentum of a winning attitude can help you win. Now, I want to give you a a, a little perspective on Notre Dame right now. Can I do that this morning? It's just eating me up, okay? Because I'll tell you what the danger is for Notre Dame. And it's the danger that we share as well, is they're, they're learning how to lose. They're learning how to lose. If they stay in the losing mode very long, they're going to forget what it feels like to win. Now, if we win a lot, the danger always is, is that we will let down our guard and we will lose in the last, mm, I don't know, four seconds of the game like uh, uh, Florida did yesterday with Auburn. I didn't watch ball games until I got home last night at 11 o'clock and they were playing and we watched. And in the last four seconds, this team who has Tebow, he's like this Superman of quarterbacks, loses. Why did he lose? Because they let down their guard. They forgot how to win. They forgot that you can't win if you let down your guard too early. And I'll tell you what, folks, in, in, in the spiritual realm, 
We are in the same place. We've got to learn how to win. We've got to learn to be winners. We've got to learn to be winners. I've got to tell you this story. A lot of you don't know me that well. And, and, and I'm going to tell you a story that's going to, hopefully it, don't, it won't rock your boat too much about me. <laughs> Not too long ago, I was in the mall with my family, okay? We're walking through the corridors of the mall, and there's this brand new pickup truck in the middle of the mall. Oh, it's beautiful. I coveted that truck, okay? I've repented since then. But I'm walking through, you know, the kids are with us. Susan and I were walking through the mall, and she'll tell you this story is almost all of it is correct, okay? It may be embellished a little bit, but it's for, it's for effect. But anyway, we're walking around, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pressing against the glass, looking at the inside of that truck, and I'm, I'm putting my hands all around it, just feeling the truck and the, you know, the curves of that truck. and. Oh, it was great. It was a nice truck. It was one of those kind of trucks that you don't want to put stuff in the back, okay? You just want to ride around with your lean on. Come on, you know, you know. It was one of those kind of trucks. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? you? You ride with your lean on, you know, in your pickup truck. You don't want to haul stuff in that thing. You know, you want to get you a beat-up truck to pick up, you know. To, so it's one of those kind of trucks. I By the time that that little part of it, I had touched about every part of the truck it, there were handprints and face prints all over that truck okay <laughs> then i got to the front of that truck after i'd made my way around and it was like angels oh. <laughs> there was a box there and lo you could put your name on an entry blank to win the truck <laughs> you know what i did <laughs> susan finally had to say we got to go. They're going to close them all soon because I, fill- I kept filling the things out, okay? I was putting them in the thing, you know. Oh, it gets better, okay? So finally she pulled me away from it. Months go by. One night we get a phone call, and I answer the phone, and the guy says, um, is this, uh, could I speak to John Utley, please? And I said, my name is John Utley, and he said, Hello, my name is Chris Thompson, and I'm with Capital Mortgage Company in Fort Wayne, Indiana. A couple of months ago, you completed several entries for a truck (laughs) at the mall. That's all he was able to get out. Because I threw the phone down. I said, Woohoo! I've won a truck! I've won a truck! Now, he was supposed to finish that statement by saying, We have not yet drawn the winning name yet. But I wanted to call and see if you would take out a mortgage with our company. But he never got that far. I was screaming, Susan, boys, Joanna, come down. I want a truck. He just called me. I want a truck. And I could hear him, uh, Mr. Utley, Mr. Utley, Mr. Utley, uh, please come back on the phone. And, and, you know, by the time that all the kids come down, we're dancing around the table. We want a truck. We want a truck. Woo! <laughs> That poor guy. <laughs> I'm a winner. I, and, I, and I told her, I said, uh, so I, I, I came back online. I said, Chris, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And, and I, I took the, the, the thing away from my, my face and I said, Susan, call your mom and dad and tell them I'm a winner. Call your sisters and your brother-in-laws and tell them we're winners. <laughs> and this guy, I mean, he's got, by this time, the whole office is saying, Mr. Utley, <laughs> we can hear Mr. Utley, come back on the phone. <laughs> 
And I was saying, call your family, kill the fatted calf, everything. We won. We're winners. I think Chris is still in therapy today, but (laughs) he did not anticipate that kind of reaction. And we could hear him screaming on the phone, you have not won. You have not won. Please come back on the phone. And I I, I don't know why he didn't hang up. I I, I was surprised when I came back that he was still there because, you know, I would have thought he would have hung up the phone and said, okay, this this was a (laughs) non-call. This did not happen. He really thought that I thought that we had won the truck. We did not think that. And I'm ashamed. I'll, I'll admit I'm ashamed. But it was fun. I'm ashamed I didn't win the truck. <laughs> anyway, I got back on the truck and I said, Chris, thank you. Thank you. I'm a winner. And he says, oh, Mr. Utley, we've been trying to get your attention. He said, you didn't win the truck. I said, no, I'm a winner. And he said, I hate to tell you this. We haven't drawn your name yet. I said, I'm a winner. He said, Mr. Utley, did you hear what I said? I, he was probably crying. It was probably tears. He was probably, yeah, please listen to what I have to say to you. All we want is a mortgage, okay? Just give us a mortgage and we'll leave you alone, please. And I said, Chris, I'm a winner. It was funny because... We started talking to him about doing a mortgage with him because I just wanted to see what their rates were and everything, refinance our, our mortgage. A month later, he called me back. You know what the first words out of his mouth were? He said, <laughs> is this John Utley? And I said, yeah. He said, this is, uh, this is Chris and, uh, with Capital Mortgage. And he said, you have not won the truck. We gave it to somebody else. <laughs> but you know what? The, the, the heart that I had in that with my family, with myself, and even with Chris, is I wanted him to understand that I didn't have to get a phone call to tell me I was a winner. And that truck would have been nice, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm already a winner. Because I've read the back of the book, and folks, God's people win. It's settled. It's been written in heaven. So today when we talk about being winners, I want you to understand that the attitude you've got to walk into every battle is I'm, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win this battle. Now, now that, that brings us to this point because you've, you've got to define what a win really is. What is winning? If you're going to win a battle, if you're going to win the battle that you're facing today, what is a win in that battle? That's a good question because I believe that there's a lot of times that we'll say things like, I've checked the scoreboard and I didn't win that one. And I'll tell you what, there were people that if they would have checked the scoreboard, they would have said, I didn't win that battle. Joseph, when he was thrown in the pit by his brothers, could have legitimately said, I've checked the scoreboard and I lost that battle. He could have said the same thing when he was thrown in prison because he refused to sleep with Potiphar's wife. And instead, he was a man of integrity. He could have said, I looked at the scoreboard and I've seen and I lost that 
battle. But friends, he was. you don't look at the scoreboard in those situations because he didn't lose that battle. He won that battle. Did he go to jail? You better believe it. But he went to jail with integrity. He went to jail knowing that God was with him. And folks, I'll tell you, all along Joseph's story, over and over God says, you won. You won. I am with you. I have not left you. Folks, when it comes down to winning the battle and defining success, you've always got to come back to Jesus and find your success in him. You may win the world. You may win every prize and every accolade and every creature comfort the world can give to you and you can lose your soul. You have not won. But you may lose everything. You may lose all that you have. But if you have Christ, if you've gained Christ, if you've won Christ, you are a winner. Hallelujah. Job was a winner. Paul and Silas that were thrown into prison, they were jailed for preaching Christ. They're praising God in the midst of that horrible situation. They were winners. John on the Isle of Patmos was a winner, uh, exiled, but seeing things that he couldn't even write about because he couldn't understand all that he was seeing. Friends, he was a winner. So before you define your success, before you define your win, understand that God keeps score differently than we do. But if you've gained Christ out of it, if you've grown closer to Christ, you have won. Hallelujah. You have won. Hallelujah. You have won more than you know. You have won more than you can understand. And God is calling us not to win just the battle, but to win Christ himself. To win him. Hallelujah. Oh, one one final thing that I want you to see in this passage. Joshua experienced something great. He experienced a great thing because he was able to experience the very presence of God. The very presence of God. I have a little button and it won't push. Well, glory. I want you to see this with me real quick. Joshua 15, he's walking along the, the way here and he comes on, he comes on this person. Verse 13 of Joshua 5. He was near the town of Jericho and he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua needed to be open to receiving something from God. But not only that, he needed to be open to the person of God. And he needed to see things from God's standpoint. He asked the question, are you for us or for our enemies? Are you a friend or a foe? See, I believe that when he asked that question, he was spending a little bit too much time looking at his problem and not nearly enough time looking to his solution. And I like the answer that the Lord gave to him there. He said, neither. That's a great statement to make. Because I'll be honest with you, I've I've counseled couples that have been in marital difficulty and I've counseled people that have been at odds with one another. And, and usually when they, when they want to talk to you about their situation, somewhere along the way, if it's a real bad situation, they'll want you to take their side. They'll tell you their story and they'll say, take my side. Take my side. My side's a better side. I want to win this one. But when God comes in, God doesn't take sides. In any situation, God doesn't 
come to take sides. He's not up in heaven saying, I choose you, I don't choose you. I like your side better. I like your arguments better. God doesn't come in to choose sides. God comes in to take over. So when he's saying here, okay, uh, in this situation, okay, Joshua, I am not for you and I'm not against you. I am God. I am Lord. I am the captain of the Lord's host. See, I believe that for you and I, we spend way too much time talking about our problems and not nearly enough time looking to our solution. Notice what I I didn't say, for our solution. I didn't say uh, we spend too much time talking about our problems and not enough time looking for our solution because honestly, we spend way too much time looking for our solution as well. But there is a place where we can turn to a solution. And Joshua needed to get his mind off of his adversaries and on to the commander of the army of the Lord. This commander, I believe, is an appearance. It's called a theophany, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that because of these reasons. Number one, that this captain spoke the exact same words God spoke to Moses in Exodus 3, 5, when he says, take off the sandals off of your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. Angels didn't say things like that. And because this captain spoke the same words, he also allowed himself to be worshipped by Joshua. Angels could not be worshipped and cannot be worshipped today. In Revelations uh, 22, we see that as well. And also, he says, I am captain of the Lord's army. Christ is the captain of God's army and the captain of our salvation in Hebrews 2.10. He has promised that he will always be with us in Matthew 28.20. He has promised that he would not leave us like orphans, but would be with us in John 14. Revelation 1-3 through tells us that Christ walks among his churches and the greatest need for facing the challenges of life is an awareness of God's presence and, and in our lives. It is our daily and growing awareness of his presence that prevents us from giving up and moves us towards the goal that God has called us to achieve. His presence in your life is more important than your problem. And what he wanted Joshua to see was not his problem because his problem was not really his problem. And that's our problem too. Our problem that we think is a problem is not usually the problem. Y'all are staying with me, aren't you? He said, I stayed up way too late last night, Pastor John. Don't go there with that with me. The problem with most problems is that the problem is not really the problem. And I'll tell you what, if you're focusing on your problem, that's a problem. But if you'll focus on a solution, on the solution, it's not fixing your problem, it's finding Jesus. And if you find Jesus, that fixes everything. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3 says, For the, the Lord is a spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Therefore, since God in His mercy is giving us a new way, we never give up. I like that. We, we've beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We've seen Him. I'll tell you what, folks. If you've seen Jesus, you found what you've been looking for. If you know Him as your Savior, you found that prize worth finding. Once we're open to the person of God, we are ready to be open to the plans of God. Joshua was not ready to hear the plan of God until he had submitted to the person of God. After coming face to face with Christ, and his, his natural response was to obey with his whole heart. Notice what it, ha- it says here. He said, 
Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. He says, I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? When we come into his presence and he arrests our heart and challenges our life and comes in to do his work and we are obedient and submissive to him, we will naturally say, here am I, Lord, send me. What do you want of me? And the beautiful thing is, is he says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And the word tells us, and Joshua did as he was told. If you follow this progression after this passage, nothing else is said of that moment, of that time. The next words, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. That will preach. Joshua had been with God, and the enemy now is locked up behind the gates because they're fearful of the Israelites and the God of the Israelites. You want to set a 1,000 to flight. You want to set 10,000 to flight. Get the Lord on your side. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there in the midst. And when he's in the midst, friends, there's not a foe. There's not an enemy. There's not, there's not anything that can come against you that he cannot handle. The key is, is getting him in your situation. And then once you do, focus on his person. His plans will become obvious then you can give all your past failures, your ideas, your attitudes, everything to him. And if you will do that, you will win. Bow your heads in prayer with me now. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Joshua who, Lord, loved you and knew you and, and, and desired to follow you and was frustrated because those around him, Lord, didn't understand faith or didn't understand who you were. Lord, today. Lord, there are times that we go through that we get frustrated, maybe not with faithless people, but just with our situation. Lord, we're not looking for, for a solution today. God, we're not looking for a win out in the world. God, we're looking to our solution this morning. So, Lord, right now, I just pray for every battle that's being faced, every, every war that's being waged in this place this morning, Father, that you would come down and that you would do your sovereign work today that you would minister to the needs of your people and that today, Lord, there would be people that would experience the greatest win of them all. Father, I ask for your blessing today. I ask, God, that you would just fill this place with your presence and your power and we ask it right now in Jesus' name. Well, thank you once again for picking up our podcast. I'm Pastor John Nutley of Radiant Life Church and RadiantWord.com. You can get this entire series called Operation Enduring Victory two different ways. One by going to our website, RadiantWord.com, and clicking on the blog that's on the upper left-hand corner. And that will take you to a page that will uh, let you uh, listen to each one of those, download them to your iPod or whatever. Or you can write to us and we'd be happy to send you out the entire series in a binder that will give you um, the entire series of Operation Enduring Victory, which is a number of weeks worth of messages that will send out that out to you. And if you could send a donation, that would be very helpful as we're getting these out all around the nation. You can do that by sending um, a letter, a note to us at 11032 Gordon, that's G-O-R-D-E-N, Setter, 
S-E-T-T-E-R, Drive. The city is Osceola, O-S-C-E-O-L-A, Indiana, I-N, 46561, and we'll get that out to you just as soon as possible. Or you can go to our website, radiantword.com, and click on the email Pastor John link and just give us your contact information, and we'll make contact with you and get this out to you. If you picked up this podcast or the CD at a truck stop, or um, a hotel or, or somewhere uh, along a route, uh, we'd love to hear from you just to let us know where you picked it up because we actually have hundreds of these CDs going out every single week all around the nation and into Canada. And we'd love to know where you're picking these up at so that we can maximize our efforts. And uh, so if you'd send us an email, shoot us a line. Um, through Postal Service, we'd greatly appreciate it. Hey, once again, thank you for picking this up. I'm Pastor John Utley of RadiantWord.com and Radiant Life Church in Elkhart, Indiana, saying God bless today.